everybody says it's just a game No matter, we play it hard, we play to win We're making baseball fun again The Cincinnati Reds country. been a minute since we came to you but it's late february and pitchers and catchers have not reported spring training has not begun we are in a lockout and if you've been uh, ignoring baseball because of the awesome nfl season that we've had this year with the uh, cincinnati Bengals making it to the super bowl well you don't get to switch right from the nfl to baseball this year you gotta wait so i'm donnie we got steve we got rob we're gonna talk about it what's up boys uh, Donnie, I'm missing the post uh, Super Bowl tweet from the official MLB account saying now it's our turn. You know, uh, yes. I really that was a great part of every Super Bowl Sunday when the Bengals weren't playing in it was, oh, yeah, now it's baseball season. Pitchers and catchers report like next week. like, And then we just start the spring training cycle on again. But uh, it unfortunately is not happening right now. There is zero baseball to talk about. We considered covering college baseball. Uh, <laughs> listeners, it's been rough out here on the. Hey, I think that's not a bad idea. The Bearcats had a nice little start to the season. Two and two, not too bad. Yeah. I'll take I mean, like, hey, I'll cover Cats baseball. Any kind of baseball just to scratch the itch would be great. What about you, Rob? Yeah, uh, not a whole lot to talk about on uh, Major League Baseball front. They, uh, owners locked the players out on December 2nd. Um, just kind of been sitting around waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like I said, yeah, we discussed uh, talking about college baseball. I think the the silver lining to all this is that college baseball might finally start getting some of the uh, the coverage it deserves, some more exposure. Uh, so if, if you need your baseball fix, the college season has already started. Yeah, I might go to a, a game once the uh, Bearcats are back home. Uh, but the real news, though, in, in Cincinnati has been the Bengals. And uh, certainly, you know, throughout the season, we realized they were a playoff team. It was, you know, they, they were good enough to be in the playoffs. Joe Burrow's the man. Jamar Chase, rookie of the year, the second rookie of the year in this in the last uh, 12 months for the city of Cincinnati, following uh, Jonathan India, of course. Uh, but we didn't expect them to make the Super Bowl, and they made a they went on a hell of a run, winning the AFC Championship over the Chiefs, uh, and the city went crazy. The city, if they hadn't already embraced the Bengals, fully embraced them. Uh, and the really cool part is we saw some saw some red uh, Reds players who are certainly not from Cincinnati have no reason to really be loyal. To the Bengals, I'm sure all those Reds players grew up with their own NFL team from their hometown, and but they supported the Bengals. We saw a bunch of players fly out for games. Uh, really cool to see the entire city plus some Reds players uh, embrace the Bengals. Give me your quick thoughts on uh, Rob. I know you're a Browns fan. Steve, born and raised in Cincy, you're a Bengals fan. Just give me your thoughts on how the city has been the last uh, last month or so. And Rob, you can especially even as a someone who doesn't really care about the Bengals uh, specifically. Just like your experience being in Cincinnati during this run uh, can only make me excited for the potential of a, a World Series run. Yeah, absolutely. It was really cool seeing downtown lit up in all orange. Uh, 
celebrating the Bengals and supporting them. It was cool to see the city kind of rally behind all that. But I just want to point out really quick that the Bengals were 0-2 this season against the Cleveland <laughs> Browns. So there you go. Um, they, they, they don't like okay. that too much. When, when you mention that in these parts, they don't like that too much for some reason. Uh, but no, it was really cool. It just makes me that much more excited for the Reds to uh, once they're finally good. Because uh, I know I've heard this city goes on a completely different level uh, when, when the Reds are really, really good. Um, if they can get on a different level from what like the Peng- from what they were like when the Bengals were this good, um, it's going to be really something to experience. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, our buddy Justin was down at the banks uh, for the Super Bowl, and there was just a crowd of people out there just ready to explode anytime something good happened. And I mean, like baseball, it lends itself more to like people gathering around because it's not a one game thing. You know, it's like every night there's another game and there's all multiple things to break down from the from that last game. Like, how what do you think about the pitching move in the fifth inning? You know, what do you think about the pinch hitter? Well, maybe no pinch hitters anymore, but <laughs> like, I there's definitely more of a community aspect around a baseball team making a run. Like, football is definitely the easiest sport to follow. One game a week. Basketball is definitely kind of basketball and hockey are kind of the same thing as baseball, where you know there's different games every night. But I feel like baseball, since you know there's no time limit on the games and I feel like it brings in a more of a community aspect just around that run because people have been watching them all summer, 162 games. And then once the playoffs start, it's on. And I mean, we, I can just tell from personal experience in 2020, it definitely felt like a lot more people were tuned into those two playoff games than there were for any of those regular season uh, 60 games in the COVID shortened season. But uh, I mean, I think we've all heard it from our dads. I think our buddy Mike said it best when he was on this show that it's just a different energy and it's just a different feeling when the reds are around and rob you can probably vouch for this too because you're a browns fan who grew up in versailles ohio there's more of a reds country around the radius in like the 300 mile radius of cincinnati there's more reds fans than there are Bengals fans and i absolutely i don't know really what that is like we we follow people that are Reds fans that live in West Virginia. We follow people that are Reds fans that live in Tennessee. Like I, f- I feel like Reds country is still there. It's just dormant right now, and I feel like people want to see us win, but it it's just not happening right now. Even if we had uh, two straight winning seasons and we've had one division titles in the past ten years, fast. Yeah, I find the Reds country to be uh, unique or the radius of Reds country to be unique because it's, it stretches up like, of course, into Ohio and Indiana, but also goes down like Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, West Virginia, maybe some parts of Pennsylvania, very uh, diverse group of people that this all encompasses. Yeah, it helps that uh, unlike the NFL, there's not a team in Indianapolis and Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can naturally expand the radius a little better. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's. I think it's just cool to see how many people were just wearing Bengals gear. Like, uh, there was just people at nice dinners just wearing like their Bengals jerseys. And like, I went to an engagement party on the night of the Titans game, and people were just showing up. And like, I dressed up, but people were just showing up in their Bengals gear. Like, you know, it's formal wear when the Bengals are really good like that. I, and like, you just people saw wearing yeah, people were wearing Bengals jerseys to to my office all the time. And we have like a professional, like business professional dress code most days. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I thought is a cool look is people wearing uh, Bengals gear on the slopes where, you know, if they're out in Colorado or even over at Perfect North, uh, that's a kind of a cool look skating down uh, down the ski slopes in a, in, a, in a Bengals jersey. But uh, yeah. And then what was it? The, uh, the Blue Jackets all wore uh, Joe Burrow jerseys one day. 
Yeah, they played the uh, they played the Montreal Canadiens the day of the Super Bowl, and they all got off the bus wearing Burrow jerseys. That, yeah, that's that, pretty. That, that's that's special, man. That's like the the amount of, I mean, that's the amount of merchandise that was Bengals related by any company. Uh, the amount of all the local businesses that did Bengals related deals. I mean, the Bengals making it to the Super Bowl brought a lot of money and a lot of economy uh, juice. Oh, absolutely. All all these little T-shirt shops around the city made all sorts of Bengals gear, and like that. You know, that only just helps them out from a revenue standpoint. Right. But to bring it back from a red standpoint real quick, I mean, like Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson, and Amir Garrett probably bought themselves way more fans during this run than they might have during the past season just for supporting the Bengals. It's an easy win for them. Like, yeah. Indy even, like, flew out to that first uh, divisional round game against the Raiders, and he was shown on the video board. There was that video of him that went viral where he was telling uh, the Reds fan with uh, autism that he could come to any game and get him tickets all the time, you know, or like for that one game. Like that, that's just free, easy PR for all those guys to show support for the other local team. And I mean, you know, India and Stevenson when it ended up going to the Super Bowl. Did you guys see any pictures of Nick Senzel there? Because it was reported that he was going too. But weirdly enough, I didn't see any pictures of him there. I didn't see that. No, is, I didn't. He, is he a new father? Am I making um, that up? No, I yeah. think it's uh, Scooter Jeanette. I saw a picture of his baby mm. today on Twitter. No, 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 no you're Senzel. right. Uh, Senzel is a new father. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah had, good for him. Well, congrats he had to Nick Senzel. Last year. Uh, and then he got married last year too. So yeah. he's, doing, he's been doing a lot. He's but, busy. Uh, but I saw that report, but I didn't see him there. Like he didn't post any like Instagram stories of him at the game. Maybe he didn't end up going, but I just thought it was weird that it was reported that he was going and then just didn't, didn't go. So. Either way. Uh, but it, I mean, it seemed like the guys that were tweeting about it, the guys that went like, they're genuinely like uh, big Bengals fans are like, they really were. I mean, you saw that video from India, just like tailgating amongst other normal Bengals fans. And he's just, just the Bengals guy, uh, you know, Cincinnati, <laughs> Sports guy, so that's easy PR though. Like just to say, like, oh yeah, you know, go go Bengals, who day, and like you yeah. know, people love them forever now. And I mean, there's a reason to love India and Stevenson because they're good, but you know, it doesn't hurt them. But uh, I'm just curious, real quick, before we move on, uh, does this Bengals run give you any hope for the Reds, like to incentivize winning? Um, and I come at that with the context of. So FC Cincinnati recently started playing here in 2016 and they saw growing success in their numbers while at a time where the Reds and Bengals were both down and not doing well in attendance. And FCC was bringing in regular crowds of 30,000 people once a weekend. And it led to them getting into the MLS, got that new stadium. And I feel like it definitely incentivized the Reds and Bengals to start spending because we saw uh, before the 2019 season, the Reds spent all that money in free. Uh, before the 2020 season, the Reds spent all that money in free agency. And then before 2020 season as well for the Bengals, they spent all that money in free agency. And I mean, I there's an old saying from like the Boston Bruins that their biggest competition was actually the Celtics. It wasn't like the Rangers or the Canadians or anything. It was just like trying to get money from the same people that the Celtics are trying to get money from because they share the same building, you know. And I'm just curious what you guys think about like if the Bengals doing anything can make the Reds ownership say, okay, like we need to like get a foothold back here. We need to like commit some even more money and start winning back fans. Well, I think the first thing they can do, um, it's obviously easier said than done is just start winning ball games and start stringing together really good home stands and novel uh, concept. No, but very novel concept. You know, if you want people to come and spend money at your ballpark and sit in your seats, 
should put a winning product on the field. Uh, I think they should start there and just see what they need to address to become more competitive and then string competitive team together and start winning some ball games. I mean, that's where I think they should start. Easier said than done, of course. So the, the obvious comparison for me is the ownership. People complain about both ownerships. Uh, I guess people are pretty happy with the Bengals right now. I mean, they – there's still gaps, though. They still say, oh, we don't, we didn't have a good enough offensive line. Well, they, they went out and signed a couple guys. One of them got hurt, and that stinks. Uh, they made it kind of a focus in the draft. Uh, kind of glad they drafted the guy they did draft in the first round. Uh, not a lineman then, but people say the same thing about the Reds, that they're not trying to win games. Um, I think they have been trying to win games recently. I mean, they've, they've made a lot of free agent signings and trades. It's almost like, what do you want them to do? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, you know, if you expect us to go sign Francisco Lindor and, uh, you know, Carlos Correa or whoever else, uh, it's just not realistic. And even for the Bengals, I mean, they were never going to go out and, uh, yeah, they got some decently big names. But, you know, Matthew Stafford, when he was making his free agency decision, he wasn't going to be looking at the Bengals, Joe Burrow aside. Like those top free agents, even still might not consider the Bengals. Uh, although I think more will want to play with Joe Burrow and, and for them after seeing this year. So again, it, it's almost like the Reds need to do that. They need to win with their core that they do have. Uh, and then that can kind of get the ball rolling on getting more free agent signings, you know, winning begets winning. I don't know. Uh, it's contagious. I, I well, want to say that it shouldn't change things that there's already Reds fans. I almost want to say are even more passionate than I think there's more, Bengals fans that, and this is not an, I don't think there's a problem with being a Fairweather fan. I think some people, uh, some people are very, very passionate about the Bengals at all times. I'm not one of them. Honestly, if if they're losing, I don't really watch, but I consider myself a Bengals fan, but I don't really care that much if they're not winning games. Like uh, maybe that makes me a bad Bengals fan. I know there are diehards uh, that would, you know, get mad at me for that, but I got on board when they started winning games. And I think there's a lot of, Reds fans like that too, but I think there's as a percentage, it's probably they're more ride or die Reds fans. Maybe I'm making that up, or maybe I'm biased. And uh, that's the target market that sports teams really uh, want to focus on more. People like you, Don, or like anybody else who are like the, the fair weather people who um, really, really will, will come to the game when the team's winning. Uh, yeah. Because like your diehard, your diehard fans are always going to be there, but that number of diehard fans is going to be a lot smaller than the the people who are fair weathered half in half out type of people not not there's, you or there's anything, a lot of but. people in the city that would love to be diehard reds fans and they're just frustrated with the team uh and you know they're not going to be like us and watch 150 of the games each year uh and that's okay i don't blame them for that it's not been a great product in the last call it seven years yeah uh so yeah winning winning begets winning uh but again i i don't think that this should change things i think there's been enough pressure on the ownership to win uh there's been enough fans calling for it where sure maybe maybe it's another incentive but i don't think it's really the thing that makes them do anything they wouldn't have already been doing well i i would have loved to see the full 2020 season play out you know before COVID happened like there was a, a stacked team there and you know the rotation had trevor bauer in it too there was a lot of good bullpen pieces i think that 2020 team would have been fully operational if they had a full season to really get their wings under them and just start playing together and playing as a unit instead of the 60 game sprint we saw where they didn't score a run in the playoffs that's just i mean obviously that that's just kind of like shit happens and 
you know, they kind of they might have expected uh, Castellanos to opt out after this year just because if he had just played at his regular average, that still would have been good enough for him to consider trying to get more money out of his deal, especially at age 30. And like no one really predicted Mike Moustakis, but he's been hurt. You know, he got COVID last year. It's been a tough stretch on him. And like, you know, Trevor Bauer obviously didn't come back and resign with the Reds, but still delivered a Cy Young season for him. I really think it was just a, a rough experience of COVID hitting at the worst possible time, especially for the Reds who had just put in all of this money and weren't going to get any ticket revenue out of it for one year and then a diminished ticket revenue out of it the past season in 2021 when they couldn't sell right. full tickets until June. It's I just think they really got screwed. And I don't like, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have that much money, but I can understand as someone who can plan things out, you know, like, just happens you know and it's just like just a part of like getting things done that sometimes you just get the money the money just messes up every now and then yeah uh and i'm not one to defend the owners but when people are like oh the team's worth x billions of dollars they should spend all that on uh on signing all these players valuation and having the cash flow to spend on salaries it's definitely not the same thing uh, you got a lot of expenses. Not all you only got so much income. Uh, you can only raise so much debt. Uh, that's that's your finance business nerd shit. But uh, and everyone yelling on Twitter about rich owners doesn't always understand that. And yeah, liquidity. But anyway, I, well, I want to talk then, about. Oh, go go ahead, Steve. Sorry, just one real quick thing. Like, I mean, I talked about it on the last podcast, but I think it's still true that the Reds have a good farm system and we have good rookies and good young talent. And maybe you get a couple more guys just to come in, but I don't really think they need to spend too much over the next couple of years. I think the window is still very much open. And with these young guys they have coming up, like they, I think it's still, it still has potential. They just wanted to kickstart the window early while they still have Joey Votto and able to produce, you know, and like kind of still started doing a better job developing guys just in the last few years than we did before. So hopefully that's a good sign. I cut you off. I'm sorry. Please continue. No, go ahead. I was trying to transition. Uh, Rob, see, there you go. Keep, keep going, Rob. Oh, I was going to say like going back to like, uh, like the the financial side of the game, didn't uh, Bob Castellini have to sell like one of his like resorts in Arizona or something to help, finance the team did you guys see that this past like december i hadn't heard that but yeah so he sold it it was like an 80 million dollar resort uh to he sold it to like a conglomerate or something so uh was nick castellanos money maybe (laughs) we'll see yeah he Uh, he sold like like hundreds of millions of dollars i saw yeah i mean just because they're worth x amount valuation does not equal cash flow on hand and all that and whatever um so I want to get into more of that. I want to talk about the, the lockout, go into those details and where the, where the Reds sit. The, I want to cover one thing that's actually not in the rundown. I just thought of this. Uh, I want to get your thoughts real quick. Uh, the one kind of baseball-related thing we have had announced in the last couple of months was the Hall of Fame vote. There were some big uh, steroid-era names that were on there for their final time. Uh, and so Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds uh, did not make it into the Hall of Fame. Just real quick, uh, do you guys have any thoughts there? Are they shut out for life now? No, they can get there are alternate methods of getting people in. There's like a there's like a random vote on it's some different group, not the writers. It's a really uh, screwed up system. It's a weird dude. I, I don't understand how these random players from like the 70s are still making it into the Hall of Fame. But by the normal 
method with the Baseball Writers Association, um, the Sarah era guys are, are shut out officially. And like the, so how do you even get a vote on the for the Hall of Fame vote? You just have to be a baseball writer or affiliated with the game, just be a part of this like exclusive like rich. You have to club. have like ten years of experience writing uh, for an outlet on baseball. So, does, but there's a, does like, White Sox Dave really have a vote? Is that? I don't think he does. I don't think they consider Barstool an outlet. They should. He's, but. he's been writing. He's been working in, in baseball media. I think he does. I think that's real. I think he does have a vote. Well, I, I mean, I, I, it would be very funny if he does actually have a vote. Basically, but, what I'm saying is it's not, it's not crazy exclusive, but all those nerds do kind of think the same way. Yeah, I, it's just upsetting. Like, you, you're telling me that guys, I mean, we might have been too young to watch Clemens, Bonds, and, you know, A-Rod in their primes, really. But, you know, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, like, but just from a young baseball fan perspective, you're telling me all those guys that we watch just like, you know, people older than us growing up and us just learning them from, you know, childhood. Like you knew who these guys were. You like, even if we weren't watching sports center every night, when we were seven years old, we knew who Barry Bonds was. I watched his record breaking home run. And I mean, I, I, I went on a, a t- I went on a tear for a while saying that Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron was the true home run King back when I was in like eighth grade in high school. But I mean, you gotta re- still respect like the the other guys were that were pitching to them. A lot of them were on steroids too. And Barry Bonds is still just like one of the most freaks of nature guys. Like, and all the stats about him that the the nerds love to say, and I'm kind of a nerd. I like, but all the stats are like he didn't strike out very often, and he got on base a bunch. He walked a bunch, and like you know, that's just beside of home runs. That's not like you don't need human growth hormone to have like just the best plate discipline of all time and, and be one of the most feared hitters to come to the plate. Like nobody else, or maybe a couple other people have gotten a bases loaded intentional walk in the history of the game, other than Barry Bonds. And I feel like that should have got him into the hall alone. Like that's just a <laughs> hall of fame legend move. That, that, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's it. ever denied his talent or any of those other guys talent, even without the extra steroids. It's just like, you, you know, you weren't supposed to do that. You cheated and, Again, everyone did it at the time, right? So it's like it was baseball's fault for not cracking to. down on it sooner because yeah. baseball knew that uh, you know all all those players were putting butts in the seats and making the game more popular. They they would shoot themselves in the foot by cracking down on it. Just, well, and I think time, Bud Selig, yeah, Bud Selig knew about it and they like let it pass. And I mean, David Ortiz, like he just got in first ballot and he was on that Mitchell report in two thousand three. You know, just about like, uh, you know, about how he like got pop positive for steroids, and they're like, no, don't worry about that. Like he's he's still fine. But I mean, regardless of, I just don't like that there's a character clause in like the language because I mean, you know, say what you want about Kurt Schilling, but he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever, and like he led two different teams to World Series victories. Their first ones, one for the Diamondbacks ever. And second one for the Red Sox, he broke, he helped break that curse. Like yep. those games yeah. he pitched down the stretch were huge. And like bloody ankle game comes to mind. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Don't tell me that Ty Cobb was a saint because he was not a fucking saint. I'll tell you that. Like that, that guy kind of sucked. Like if you read any story about him, like, you know, and you know, I know he didn't suck as a baseball player, but sucked as a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's the baseball hall of fame. It's not the character clause hall of fame. We're not putting like Mahatma Gandhi in there. We're putting in baseball players, put the best baseball players in there. And like now that major league baseball is in gambling. And I, I mean, say what you want about Pete Rose and people definitely have an opinion whenever we tweet about him, but the, the leader the all time leader in hits in the game of baseball should be in the hall of fame in the, in MLB should be in the hall of fame. I agree. It's a silly, silly thing. It's almost like it doesn't really matter that much anyway. I mean, that's what Roger Clemens came out and said. I'm pretty sure he's like, whatever. Uh, you know, I, but, I, I had a great career. I was happy with it. I, I moved past this 10 years ago or whatever. So, and Cle- Clemens was a guy that I remember more to that group than like Bonds or Schilling or any of those guys because the Reds played the Astros and he pitched all those years for the Astros. Yeah. So we saw him more often. Um, but no, like what 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 kind of is funny but yet aggravating to me is seeing some of the, uh, the the guys that vote for the Hall of Fame. Like they'll take pictures of their ballots and tweet them out, and they'll vote for like two people on that list of twenty names, or they'll write in somebody like completely off the wall. And it's like it's almost like a fucking joke to them. It seems like. Yeah, it's weird. Whatever. Well, yeah. it, if if you follow the NFL Hall of Fame, they put in everybody. So <laughs> I'm like, I definitely see there's a point in like maybe keeping it small, but like. Use your 10 votes. Like, why not use all of them? That's kind of stupid to me. I agree. So let's talk about the lockout. Uh, I want to move on to that. That's kind of the main topic here. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, unless you're really a diehard MLB fan, you kind of want to know what's going on. And so this, this podcast coming right after the NFL season ended, uh, let's get some good context, really. So I, I pulled up this timeline of the lockout. I think it's good to, like, walk through how it all happened. Uh, so if you guys remember, right after the – season ended in October, uh, the month of November was actually kind of crazy where there was a lot of signings happening earlier than usual because uh, teams kind of knew this lockout was coming. So we knew that the collective bargaining agreement between the Players Association and the owners was going to end after this season. That's just when it was set to expire. And so you got to make a new one. And that collective bargaining agreement covers um, all sorts of different things with uh, how the game is kind of structured and run. And I'm sure I'm pretty sure it includes things like how the divisions are set up, how the playoffs are uh, how the, who makes the playoffs, uh, things about salaries, salary minimums, uh, years under team control, uh, different rules, things like the universal DH that we're now potentially getting uh, rather than just a DH in the American League, things like that. All, it covers all those agreements. The players have to basically agree on all those rule changes uh, with the owners, and the agreement lasts a certain amount of years, and it expired after this past season. So the teams, knowing that was coming, knowing that they probably weren't going to get on the same page, uh, right away, there was a flurry of trades and signings. Uh, the Reds did lose Michael uh, Lorenzen. We, we have that on the run down here to the yep. Angels. Kind of stinks. Uh, they're going to let him, uh, you know, play both ways more. Uh, he, he's going to like that. They, I think they also let him are going to let him start uh, in, the, in the starting rotation. So good for him. He was a great Red. Uh, but there are still some, you know, wild cards out there where Nick Castellanos didn't sign before the lockout. And he hasn't been able to sign. And I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. If we do say say that, you know, say we do make an agreement tomorrow and free agents or and spring training starts a week from now, uh, there are a lot of players that haven't signed yet. And that's going to be kind of a bunch of signings going on during free agency or during spring training will be interesting. But anyway, uh, I'm rambling on a little bit. But so the lockout started in December 2nd. And the owners are all saying they, they agreed unanimously to start a lockout, which basically meant all baseball operations is, are, are done, uh, are, are, are paused. Uh, all the MLB teams had to, like, remove pictures of their players off their websites. It's just, like, gray pictures now. And 
uh, it's very strange. So like all MLB operations had to go on pause, almost like when the government does that, like, what do you call it? When they shut down the shutdown. Yeah. Same deal there where nothing official can happen. People are all just like working out on their own. Uh, no team organizations are, are doing anything. No players can be signed, et cetera. So I just want to reemphasize to the listeners that this is not a player strike. This is an ownership mandated lockout that's league wide. Yeah. So the last time there was kind of a lockout of sorts, people might be thinking of uh, the you know the strike that happened back in the day. This is not that. So this is very much the owner side, and uh, it took them six weeks to even come to their first proposal. Uh, for the CBA after that, and the union didn't like it. They kept going back and forth. That was mid-January, and it's it's continued to take them a while to find any middle ground. Uh, Steve, do you have any insight on like what's going on with these negotiations? I know that some things have been sort of agreed upon. Uh, they did agree to instill a universal DH, so the NL, the National League, is doing away with the pitcher batting. I think that's a good thing for the game. Uh, but there are a lot of other things that the players still want, the owners want, that they haven't been able to find middle ground on. Uh, where where are we at, Steve? So uh, basically, it's come down to two things. The players only want to uh, be in free agency after five seasons. Uh, it's currently six, seven if you are brought up later than May, which is why there's service time manipulation. They want to try and uh, kill that. And then they also want to like eliminate the competitive balance tax or the salary cap or well, the luxury tax, really, um, of $215 million and then $245 million. They want to get rid of that because they believe that uh, teams are using that as basically a soft salary cap, and they don't. It, they they believe that that's uh, in, de incentivizes teams from winning and incentivizes them to use more of their rookies and uh, uh, homegrown players and draft picks in order to try and build a championship team. And it's only worked twice, really. Uh, only two teams have won championships from building a homegrown team. It would be the Astros, and that would be the Cubs. And uh, the Astros are still going, but the and then the Cubs had to just sell off all of their players at the deadline last year. So, like, really, it's just I think the players want everybody to be able to compete, which realistically will never happen because what owner like and just think about it from a business standpoint yourself. Like, why would you put in one hundred twenty five dollars to go see a team that, you know, is not that good? when you could just field a field a team, like when you could just you know pay the TV price for like 20 bucks and you can just watch them. Like they're putting in the bare minimum in order to try to develop their farm system, grow it, and then they can add on to it later and not have to try and pay top dollar just to, without the reassurance that you're definitely going to win. That's why windows come and fade for different teams in every sport, really, just because there's, you know, there's only like, one team that can win the championship. There's only a certain amount of teams that can win divisions. And I, I, I just think it's really simple to that. An owner doesn't want to put in like $200 million just to compete with four other owners that are putting in the same amount of money or more. And just to come in fifth place, like that's just a lot of money to spend to come at last. So uh, I, I can understand why the players are upset by that, but I think that's just an economics issue. Like why would you pay more for a product that you know is going to be, uh, inferior to your competition when you can develop your product may, and make it better than the other competition in a couple of years. 
I know like one thing they're like they're they're kind of discussing within everything that you were just talking about, Steve. Is they want more money for the younger players. I think the younger players are worth more uh, from a market value sense, um, and that's you know what one of those things that the owners don't really want to pour that much money into their rosters so they can prevent it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how like all this folds out. I know they want like a, a like a pre-arbitration bonus pool as well for a lot of the younger players. They want to make sure that you can also hit arbitration within is it two years instead of waiting a third yeah. or fourth year before you can hit arbitration. Yeah, and they also want to raise uh, player minimum salaries to like, uh, they, I think I, they initially asked for a million, but now they just want it to be 750. It's currently 625,000, 625,000. They want it to be 750. So, but really it's just those two things about the, the salary, uh, the luxury tax and arbitration really, and free agency. Like they're just trying to get to the money faster and, they want more teams to be spending more money so more players can make more money. Like, if you think about it from the player aspect, they just want their guys to be making more. Owners want to be making more, too. It's really just all about money at the end of the day. Like, if it, if we were just, like, if they had figured something out about money in the past and, like, it was it had always stayed a free market or if there was a salary cap before, I think this would not have been as big of a deal. But owners want to spend less or spend what they believe is right and players want to get fairly compensated. So it, I, I mean, I'm definitely upset about it. I want baseball, but it's a, it's a big negotiation. It makes make means something to a lot of people. I, I think what the player is asking for is very reasonable. Uh, I mean, you have to consider the vast majority of people who play the game of major league baseball or, or on, a, on a major league team do not get to free agency. They don't get that big multi-year contract. So to make just a little more while, while you are in your, Maybe you're only an MLB player for a couple of seasons because let's be honest, the vast majority of players aren't at the all-star caliber. There are so many players that come through the MLB that you never even really hear about or remember, uh, you know, especially if they're not on your team. And, you know, those guys, uh, I think they're worth, you know, if they're batting alongside the, uh, you know, the Hall of Famer on your roster that's making $20 million a year, is it is it crazy that, um, you know, they're making less than what that guy's making every paycheck? Yeah. They're well, and then the other in, thing in, too, the entire season. That's crazy. Right. And then the other thing too is that like these guys, uh, they know how long it takes just to, for the grind of like the minors and college ball. It takes so long just to get to the show. And a lot of guys, you're only there for three seasons, but to stay man, ready the, in the, the office. minors, the minors is poverty ball, man. Those guys have to yeah. have second jobs in some cases, uh, or just or just take out loans that on like basically banking on the fact that you that you do make it to the to the show. Uh, you know, living out of uh, host family basements and uh, taking buses, you know, to games and. It's, I think you're it's, starting to see um, some more organizations clean that up a little bit now, like with providing like housing to some of their players and everything. Well, the right. interesting thing there is that the MLB is pushing back and saying, all right, we're going to trim the number of minor league teams again, which they basically just did. Uh, and that's kind of how they can save money to be able to meet these requests. That's tough because people want more jobs from these minor league players. They think those teams have value. I mean, a lot of those teams are in areas that don't have an MLB team nearby. And people love those minor league teams, and some of those treasured teams that have been around for decades uh, are gone now, and they're potentially going to reduce that even more. Is it kind of a so so? T- call me crazy. If there are a lot of players that no longer can be on a team that were never going to make the MLB, uh, 
you know, they can go pursue a different career now where they can make reasonable money because that grind in the, in the minor leagues to never make the, the majors, but you're only making 30 K a year or something. And that's, that's your peak. Is it better to have less teams, but all those guys actually get paid a living wage? I don't know. That's, I think in the real in the, the perfect world we have a bunch of minor league teams and they all get paid, but uh, how they allocate that money is up to the owners and, and I guess part of this agreement. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like you got to think about too. Like you got to spend some of that money to use the cage in the off season. Like hire a, a trainer, hire a, a chef. If you yeah, if you get to that level, like you're not making like I mean Joey Votto. He makes twenty five million, but like half of that is taxes, and then uses a certain amount. Like he probably nets, you know, less than twenty million out of all of that for sure. And you know, that's Joey Votto. He's one of the best players in the game. Imagine a guy that's making like the league minimum, and he has to, you know, you know, use the trainer, pay half of that in taxes, apartment. Like you know, what like maybe his mom or his girlfriend needs something done. Like you know, you're not netting that much at the end of the day from being a baseball player and like i think baseball players just want more money to be able to do this thing they love and i i mean i get it like you know I, it just sucks for fans because i don't think fans really care either way about what the players make or how much the owners make i think the player the fans just want the sport you know like ask any joe schmo and maybe who's more of a casual reds fan they just want to see the reds come out of the dugout on opening day while they're out on the banks getting hammered after 15 Bud Lights. Like, they've been drinking since 9 a.m. They just want to watch the game on the big screen out there. They don't really care about the money. So that's, like, if you're in the, the replies on Twitter and you see people, like, yelling at the players, like, you know, you guys get paid millions to play a, a, a child sport. Like, just let them figure out all, all that money stuff. Like, I know it sucked for fans. Believe me, it sucks yeah. for me, too. Like, I, I would love to hear about like oh this guy might make a run at the rotation this year or you know all those reports out of spring training that we you're usually getting this time of year what's crazy to me too right just as a quick aside is that the minor league guys are still in camp right now like they still had a report so um like the inquirer beat writer charlie goldsmith uh is there in arizona right now like watching like guys like nick lodolo pitch to like the minor league catchers and stuff and I wouldn't be surprised if like MLB tries to make the minor league guys like scabs, like say like, okay, we're trying to get some dates in for these spring training games. Like guys like get on out there. We need you. We just need guys wearing reds uniforms out uh, on spring training. And like that would, I think that would make a lot of people upset, but I also think people would just be happy as baseball fans just to see the teams running out there and in the laundry. Well, I think we're going to get a turning point here at some point. Uh, maybe that's me. I, I, I think that's optimistic, but I do think they'll come to some sort of agreement. Uh, it says here that they're going to be meeting every day this week, uh, at least once, for at least some amount of time. And the sides are both going to you – know, the players, I think we all kind of are on the players' sides. I mean, those, those are the guys that are tweeting. The owners aren't tweeting uh, you know, about this situation. The, the players are the younger ones, the ones that we relate to more uh, – you know, they're the guys who are, are supporting on the field. So I get being on the player's side, but they're going to have to give up some things. They've been pretty stubborn. Uh, the owners have not been great negotiators at all, but they're going to have to concede some things because they, I think at the end of the day, both teams, both sides want to play games. They don't want to sacrifice games because uh, even players, you know, if you have to sacrifice games to get what you want, 
that could be sacrificing money too, because uh, I think your your salary is based on a full season. Uh, and when they what did did they end up reducing salaries in 2020? Uh, based um, on yeah, they they only got yeah. paid like a third of what they were supposed to get because they right. only played a third of the games. A third of the games. So I think the players really would love to avoid that happening again. So uh, we'll see. I, I think we're going to have some good news this week. Fingers crossed. Uh, and so we'll be keeping an eye out. And if there's a, some big news, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on on uh, BBTTR on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, hopefully, we get some some good news here soon, and we can get to that that uh, you know spring training hype. Uh, start get back to some free agent signings and. We can start arguing about all the stupid decisions the Reds front office is going to make and who sucks and who doesn't. And yeah, I miss that those good arguments. Um, not like so we're talking about the lockout and stuff and everything that's going on. They, they, the, the the owners and the players right now have agreed on a couple things. I don't know if we've touched on those this episode. Um, the CBS Sports article I think that we're all referencing this R.J. Anderson and Mike Cesa article. Uh, basically shows that they've agreed to a universal DH. Uh, they've implemented a draft lottery and what they call buyer side draft pick comp- compensation, meaning the teams will be able to sign players without losing draft picks. I didn't know that was really a thing. I didn't, like, knew that the Rule 5 draft was a thing, but I didn't realize that teams could potentially lose picks by signing players. Yeah, so like if someone else other than the Reds signs Castellanos, like they give their second round pick or compensatory pick to the Reds. and so. With that though, like they wouldn't lose that pick anymore. So, like the Reds wouldn't get a pick anymore uh, after the lockout if someone else signs Castiano. So that's basically it. Gotcha. But, uh, uh, yeah, man. Like it's I'm I'm with you, Donnie. Like I mean, it's it's got to be this week before they can play regular season games. And I think they both know like losing any more revenue than they have to is a bad thing for both sides. And after two years of down revenue for both. I think they got to realize, like, look, it, we're easy. just going to have to agree to something here and concede. And we, like, like you're right, Donnie, like there's been there's a lot of young stars right now. And a lot of people were uh, coming around on baseball in 2020. And last year, I feel like baseball's outside popularity was growing a little bit more. And I think a lockout or any loss of games this year would just kill that. So they really need to come together for something for the good of the game, really. So speaking Definitely of the they're, they're gonna lose a lot. They're gonna lose a lot, a lot of fans over this. Like almost a generation of fans, I think, over this. Yeah, it's been a tough few years for the MLB with the 2020 debacle and whatnot. But uh, so speaking of that one change that you mentioned there, the universal DH, the National League finally doing away with uh, you know pitchers batting. Uh, so no more, no more double switches, uh, which is fun strategy, but. Uh, MLB pitchers generally suck at hitting, and this will be another job for a major league veteran. Usually, um, you know, someone like Joey Votto potentially could extend their career with the DH. Uh, who do you guys see the Reds using at DH? I saw Votto is the name that gets gets thrown out there just because he's older and people want to see him continuing to play and maybe play in the field less. But I, I saw some pushback on that where, you know, uh, first base is really a pretty easy position to play. It's really not that demanding on him. If he's a good first baseman still, uh, then he should do that most of the time. Uh, it's almost like one of these other guys out there that's just trash in the field should play in the designated hitter. So in that sense, 
I know we had some debate on this in, in 2020 when there was the temporary DH, but uh, I think Jesse Winker is my pick. But uh, Moustakas comes to mind as well. Uh, how do you guys feel about the DH? I think the Reds either way are going to have some flexibility there. It'll be a good way to rotate guys in and out. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think this rule change, as much as I hate seeing it, uh, definitely benefits the Reds presently. I think they got about three or four guys that could easily fill that on any given day. You got Vado, you got Suarez, you got Moose, you got Winker, who you mentioned, Donnie. Um, so I don't think this rule change will hurt the Reds at all. Um, it's just maybe they go out and they pick up another veteran hitter that they can plug in there as well. Um, yeah, yeah um, Steve, what do you think? Well, so there's a guy that won Rookie of the Year in 2019 in the American League from the Houston Astros. Where's number 44? His last name starts with an A. And that reminds me of someone who's on the Reds 40-man still. Number 44, last name starts with an A, Aristides Aquino. Now, mm. obviously, has been nowhere near his 2019 tear where he hit all those homers within, like, two weeks of coming up to the league. Like, I think he uh, can't hit curveballs, maybe? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> kind of like Pedro Serrano back in uh, Major League, you know? Yes. Uh, F you, Joe Boo, I do it myself. I, I think if they really want to get anything out of RC to Zucchino. Like he's definitely like a okay fielder. He can get on base and he can steal, but if he's able to give you anything, I think like he could be something like Jordan Alvarez. And now that's saying two different things because Jordan, it like looks like he's a generational hitter already. And Aquino just kind of hit a bunch of home runs that one time. But if the reds are lo- really trying to get something out of Aquino uh, before, like their last resort of, letting him go on waivers or trading him. I think he could really be something there. Like I love Jesse in the DH spot. Like you said, Donnie, I think he would be a great fit there, but I want to keep Jesse for a long time. And I feel like, I I mean, I wouldn't want to alienate Jesse and like, because he's still an okay fielder. He wants to play the field. So you wouldn't want to piss him off. Yeah. So, and like, if, I mean, I I hope we can sign him to a long-term deal and I would love to keep him around because I truly think he's one of the best young up and coming hitters in the game right now. And like, that's like someone who can take their reds hat off, literally take it off and say that Jesse Winker is probably one of the, the 10 best hitters over the past two years. Like Carabas keeps tweeting out that stat about how much, how his OPS was comparable to like Soto and Trout and all those guys. So I was going to mention Carabas. I mean, we got some big baseball national writers. I think he's one of them that, uh, I really jumped on the Jesse Winker train and, you know, the Reds, for better or worse, don't get a ton of attention in the MLB. Uh, it's a very regional game, and the big teams get a lot of focus. That's that's kind of how it goes. Uh, but the people have been pounding the table and like, hey, check out this Jesse Winker guy. He, he can smash the baseball. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess like if Aquino doesn't really work out, I would say Suarez just because I, like the fielding was definitely not the same last year, especially when he played short. He was okay at third, but – the feeling is not the same. Like they were starting Moose over him, and Moose really wasn't that much better uh, with Moose the bat. Had a tough year. Yeah. yeah so if they don't get off either one of their contracts this year, I would say it's probably going to be a tandem of Moose and Gino. But I like I loved Aquino. Um, he really brought something to that Reds team in 2019 when like no no one was starting to care. That two-week stretch of Punisher just absolutely mashing baseballs, I feel like it got people excited about the Reds in August in the first time in a long time, you know? And, like, I I would love to see something from him again. And, like, I feel like if you just said, hey, man, like, just drop the glove. 
we're going to like have you hit a thousand balls in uh, spring training. Like we want, we just want you to be our everyday DH. And if it, if it doesn't work, you can just put somebody else in there, trade him, cut him, do whatever you want with him. But there is some, I mean, the, the dude doesn't have absolute value pose for an arm and it would stink to not have him out there in the field. Uh, but you know, especially if we are to lose Castellanos, he'd be a great right fielder uh, just because of how, how well I can throw the ball. But uh, yeah, I agree that the the net benefit of him being able to focus on his hitting might might work out there. So I saw uh, someone mention Shogo Akiyama as a potential DH, and I was like, "Buddy, have you, you know, been watching <laughs> the last two years of Red Shogo, Baseball?" Like, I would be stunned if he makes the opening day roster. I don't yeah. think like he has to be cut at this point, right? He's he's still on contract, but uh he's not that yeah. expensive. I think you just eat it. You got to eat it. I don't think he's really lived up to anywhere near the potential that we saw in all those hype videos when he was about to come over. So TJ Friedel, come on up. You're the next man up for the job. If uh, yeah. Nick Senzel, obviously, um, I think, I think they said Siani might be ready too in the farm system. So, but uh, I don't think we can, we're going to see any more Shogo Akiyama next year. That's all right. He was fun for a little while. <laughs> I he got really excited cast. about Shogo because he, uh, he hit that leadoff home run to center field in that inter squad scrimmage before the 2020 season. Yeah, he like and still just, hasn't hit a home run since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he hit crazy. that leadoff home run to dead center, and I thought, oh boy, here we go. Even Billy Hamilton hit a few home runs a year. Like, yeah, on, Shogo. I like, yeah, like Billy I mean, like just fall into him randomly. Yeah, I would be upset about losing the two uh, followers from Japan who like every Shogo tweet I put out. But hey, what's good for the team, man? That's all I care about. I can I, I like loyalty though on the uh, it's hard to come by in the social media game these days. Yes, to, you're to right. be clear, we're we're not rooting against Shogo, but we're not about to hold our breath on him. Yeah, and so, that's and that's the kind of thing. Hey, maybe maybe if he does get signed by another team, he's still not that old. Uh, he was thirty two or thirty three, maybe thirty one. I think. Eh, I think he's at least thirty two. But uh, you know, if it, maybe it's the kind of thing where he, he gets a fresh start somewhere else and and it works out for him. A new new scenery. Maybe he goes plays for a West Coast team. It might have a little few more people that can speak uh, speak his language, and maybe it'll maybe it'll help him. Who knows? He's thirty three. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so that that's you know you know the thing I love to discuss is like all the different ways you can manipulate the roster and who's going to play and whatnot. And the lockout, the worst part of that is just not being able to sign guys and not seeing where the chips fall. Like I want to see what our our NL Central rivals are doing. Like how's their team shaking up? And we haven't had any movement on that in. Two and a half months now, and and that that stinks. I miss that part of the game. That's that's us nerds that don't just go to the ball games to drink a beer and and hope for some home runs. That we're the ones getting into all the roster movements, and we we're following all four levels in the minor leagues, and uh, we have men will do that this off season. And so it hasn't been any fun. Luckily, we had the Bengals to actually fill, uh, you know, play meaningful games uh, later in the season, and of course into the playoffs. Uh, that's a rarity for us. So. Uh, it should have been a real smooth transition where we just had no break between Bengals and Reds, but here we are stuck in no man's land and uh, helping you people listening to Reds Country Radio get some understanding on what's going on. Is there any other points you guys want to make before we kind of wrap things up here? Steve, you might have one more segment for us, but uh, anything else on the lockout, uh, Reds roster, that kind of thing? Uh, it just sucks, man. I just want to see – the laundry on the field, uh, playing baseball. Like, obviously, uh, yeah. I understand all the dynamics and the ins and outs and the little 
things about the negotiation, but damn, it would be a shame if we didn't get opening day this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think it just – what are your guys' general feelings? Do you think that they're going to start opening day all time, or do you think we're going to be delayed? I personally think we're going to be delayed. Man, it feels like – it feels like we're going to be delayed. I'm opt, I'm going to say I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to figure it out, and we're going to have an abbreviated spring training, and they're going to figure it out. Rob, it's always darkest before the dawn, so you never true. know. It, something could come this week, and they say – we're just pushing back the season back a week, but we're going to start. We're still going to start in April. And I I'm there for like the two weeks where it's cold enough, where players have to wear like the, the, the ski masks on the field under their baseball. Uh, if we were to just uh, shorten the season by like a week, but still play 162 games and we had scheduled double headers and less off days. I'm into that. I like the scheduled double headers where we have uh, the seven inning games. Those are fun. Those are fun days of baseball. Yeah, and like I mean, college baseball this weekend. There's a couple teams like you know, like our Bearcats. They had a scheduled doubleheader this weekend, and they played yeah. two games on Saturday, and like it, a whole day of baseball. You know, like seven inning games not, are great for the Reds because it means less bullpen. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Hey, how many seven inning games did Trevor Bauer start in 2020? <laughs> I, I feel like at least how half many shutouts did he have? Because yeah. like that minus one is basically the number of seven inning games he played. Yeah, yeah, a couple complete games there. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Right. That was wild. What a wild Madison year. Bumgarner threw that seven inning no hitter, and yet baseball still didn't recognize it as a no hitter last year. Can't change the rule on uh, how many innings constitute a game, but then not update the rule on what are we call a no hitter. So. Yeah, Donnie, you, you, you threw a perfect game. You know, Thank you. you, you thank you. you. Tell us about that. I threw a perfect game in a, uh, we've, we've discussed this, in a, uh, Run rules shortened game, uh, but I, I I didn't let up a, a single base runner in the entire length of the game. So, How many innings? Is that four innings, five innings? It's five. I feel like we should have Dallas Braden on to really just analyze <laughs> this and then give you yeah. your props, you know, as a pitcher. Sure, sure. Hey, that was my biggest moment, man. I was 18 years old, and it all went downhill from there, so... I'm still going downhill. I don't think I've ever peaked. I've just been like steadily declined, you know? Damn. That's the way, the way she <laughs> goes. Dark? Sorry. <laughs> That's the way of the road, bubs. That's the way she goes. Hey, yep. Steve, you got some exciting news for us. Uh, moving to Arizona. Yes, sir. I will be the uh, uh, unofficial on-ground year-round reporter uh, uh, from Arizona for your red legs. Uh, we're actually moving out here. My uh, my girlfriend got a new job and a promotion, and uh, she'll be moving out to Arizona. So we're moving to Scottsdale. So uh, I was ex- really excited, and uh, she did obviously tell me, as I already knew, that there was a Cactus League baseball every spring, and then obviously the Diamondbacks are right in town. Um, so I'm I'm very interested to uh, see when baseball officially starts back up because I am going to be working full time. But like, I mean, you know, there's going to be tickets on SeatGeek just available. And like, there's, I think the Giants are in Scottsdale and then the Rockies and Cubs are and the Cubs are in uh, somewhere close. I, I they Maybe might be in Scottsdale. All those Arizona locations are within out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're all like really close, close to each other. Closer yeah. than Florida for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then like, like Goodyear is probably a half hour. Yeah, yeah, it's a it is a half hour. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, I'm, and then if the Reds play the Giants in Scottsdale, you know I'm there. And so, uh, it'll be an interesting journey. Like, I'm just people keep telling me about the summers. Like, have you pre- been prepared for the summers? Like, yeah, it gets really hot. I get it. It's a dry <laughs> heat, you know. Like, but 
as someone who realizes that I don't really like cold as much as I used to, uh, it might, it'll be nice for a little bit. I won't be gone forever. Obviously I'm already planned a few trips back in town and, uh, I, you know, I'll definitely be catching some Reds games with you guys when, when I'm back in town. Absolutely. I have four weddings coming up this year, which is crazy to think about. Like, and I'm in two of them, so I'm going to be racking up those frequent flyer miles, but, um, uh, it's going to suck, obviously, to not be with you boys in town. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss having everybody around and, like, you know, just us popping over to a Tuesday night game and sitting in the front row uh, in the moon deck, you know, just oh, yeah. randomly. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just going to be a fun life journey. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be gone forever, but I will be more around at spring training. Maybe I'll get some exclusive interviews with uh, Reds Brass and players if I hang around enough. You never know. So, uh but yeah, yeah I'm gonna miss being in Cincinnati, a lifelong Cincinnati and born or raised. But it's gonna be a fun journey, man. Hey, you know, and I had that ex- I had that experience uh, living in Austin for a couple of years. Really great experience living outside of the city of Cincinnati, uh, and it made coming home ever that more, ever more special. I think I still I flew back for every opening day while I was gone. Uh, made sure to get those, and uh, and we'll we'll have to come visit you. We'll be there for spring training, if not this year, next year. Uh, of course and that'll, that'll be fun uh really excited for you i think we had another topic on the rundown here but uh we've gone long a little bit and i think that's a good place to end it talking about you steve so uh boys i i'm optimistic that hey who knows maybe even by the time people are listening to this podcast uh we might have some news on the collective bargaining agreement at the end of the lockout uh we want baseball the nfl season's over our basketball team the bearcats this year not doing great uh, in college basketball uh, so we, we could use some baseball. I can use some baseball. See, even though it's like the longest sport running sport of all the, uh, major, major teams. So it technically has like the shortest off season. Uh, it still feels like it's been forever. I could use some baseball. We could all use some baseball. Uh, here's to hoping that happens soon. Steve, good Rob, any soul. final thoughts? Baseball is good for the soul and I hope we get it back really. soon. It's the best time to either turn it on uh, in your headphones when you're at work, just listen to a radio of a game oh, yeah. or like, you know, when you're just sitting at home, like making dinner or you know, doing whatever you do after work, just flipping on the TV, baseball right there. Um, I, if you're interested in MLB TV, I would definitely consider getting it because it's it's a like awesome package and you can just flip on baseball whenever if you're not really into the streaming stuff or, you know, into watching like movies or whatever. Baseball is always there. And so. I, I'm really going to miss pro baseball for a while, and I guess I'll try to get my fix through the minors if the season gets delayed because minors are still going to play. Like We're going to still be able True. to see those young guys progress through the system. So maybe I'll that'll have be, to – That'll give us something to talk about. We can Maybe I'll start, have to start clipping uh, MILB yeah. TV games, you know. So, a lot but, of uh, you go. But, I mean, it's it's just a weird time because I was really excited about you know potentially getting out there right in the middle of spring training, getting out to Arizona, but – who knows? I'm supposed to be out there in mid-March, and maybe we have a deal by then, and they're just starting games by then. So I'm I'm optimistic. As hey, you know, it, it might work yeah. out in your favor then, Steve, if you get to yeah. see more spring training than you would otherwise. So I get to see more of the replacements play in the fifth through ninth innings yeah, of right. games that I would <laughs> ever want to. Right. But I'll bring the dog out there. It'll be a good time. Yeah, there and we'll go. have to go over to a, a Bearcats baseball game once they're uh, once they're here. So I know they yeah, start the season down south. Uh, but. The weekend of March 3rd is their first uh, homestand against Northwestern. I'm there. Let's do it. Yep. I'm there. Let's do it. I agree.
All right, boys, that's enough for uh, Reds Country Radio today. Uh, make sure you follow us on ATBBTTR. We'll keep you updated with all the everything going on with the lockout and whatnot. Uh, and uh, hopefully we get some baseball here soon. Go Redlegs. Go Redlegs. Go Reds.